podcast back in the photographing studio with Chase Smith, Reed Connell, and myself, Howell Teague, here once again to break down jujitsu news and grappling, actually. Let's not forget grappling, because they're not the same thing, right? There you go, this man. Is true. It was a huge week. Huge weekend, I guess we should say. So a lot to, to talk about, a lot to get into. There are. Let's just recap some events very, very quickly. Uh, last weekend, we had four live events on Flow Grappling, including Fight to Win uh, in Florida, the IBJJF LABJJ Pro, World Series of Grappling, and the ADCC Trials. Now, we'll get into those in just a second, but Fight to Win uh, featured um, not one, but two flying triangles. Yeah, that's true. Pretty wild. Uh, we got actually a um, an instructional link to learn how to do that one flying triangle right there and uh, go to post that in the comments so you guys can check it out um this is really cool actually because fight to win not only are they awarding you know the bonuses and, and, and uh, the honor of having submission of the night but now they've started filming immediately after the event they've started filming like a little technique video on how they did it right yeah those guys are really changing the game uh i love these videos because they come out like immediately after the event you know so just that submission still fresh in my mind i'm like man that was sick and then you have the guy Showing you how to do it himself right there. I think we also on the site have Edwin Najmi breaking down his flying triangle. So that might be interesting to see to see uh, uh, how they stack up, how they, how they differ a little bit. Of course, Edwin Najmi, known for, for the flying triangle all over the, the world, all across the world. He's known for that. I mean, that's what people book him for <laughs> when Najmi they book style. him for seminars, yeah. right? Yeah. They, they actually ask Edwin, hey, you know, show us the show us the flying triangle and show us the DAS is the two yeah, things. The, they I was going to say, yeah. I want to learn the DAS because yeah. he's so good at baiting that, that double leg, that single leg, and then just you know, murdering someone with a DAS. So. But maybe Cut one of the, long arms and legs. the best flying triangles in history of flying triangles is when he submitted Nicholas Marigali in the Purple Belt Absolute in... 2014, I think. I think it was 2014. Yeah. Man, Edwin's Edwin's a lightweight. Marigali wasn't as big as he is now, but that was that was one of the most incredible flying triangles ever hit in the history of jiu-jitsu, in my opinion. <laughs> it was. It was. It was epic. And who who'd have thought that those kids, right, like back then, just fighting in the purple belt, fighting all where they would get to, right? Yeah. I called it. Did you? Oh, did you now? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we also had the um, LABJJ Pro uh, that was offering cash prizes to the winners. So, you know, good opportunity for some of the guys to go out there and, uh, and pick up some some money. Yeah, I mean, there's so much jiu-jitsu to watch this weekend. So, you know, I, I know there's there's a lot out there. We've got all the matches on flow. But uh, one of the matches that I, I liked from, from that LABJJ Pro we, we were watching the other day was that um, Marcio Andre, Michael Lear Jr. That was a pretty great match. That was a wild one. That was to the semifinal in the uh, the middleweight division. And um, Otavio Souza actually went on to win, and, and Lear Jr. took second. So, yeah. But, you know, to see um, Marcio Andre, who, you know, it's got – Accolades out of his ass, right? That guy's got so many world, <laughs> so many titles. <laughs> just just missing the black belt world title, I think. But he's won almost everything else. And um, and Liera Junior, you know, he's great, right? He's an amazing technician. But in a division like that, you wouldn't necessarily put him in like the the list, the shortlist of favorites. Liera can be just a, a little hot and cold, in mm. my opinion. You know, he he's obviously very capable of beating the best in the world and. And he had a great year, um, or he had a great performance at Pans this last year. I was going to say, that was probably his all-time best mm-hmm, performance, mm-hmm. I want to say. But uh, sometimes, yeah, like I said, just a little hot and cold, but ve- obviously very capable of beating the best in the world and, and proved it when he beat uh, Marcio Andre at the end yeah, of the no, we, we got the match on the site, and we were watching it, and that uh, that whole sequence, that it was like some lapel trickery going on, and it came up into like a sweet position, and next thing you know, boom, he's on the back, right? It was incredible. Really yeah, yeah, that. it was a great back take. Yeah, that's what I liked most about it. Uh, Lucas Hulk also winning gold in uh, in his division, um, just just running through people as usual. Um, Otavio Souza, I don't think Otavio Souza has ever lost in a BJJ Pro. He's just picked. He up. does a lot of them, huh? Oh yeah. Well, it's three grand. I actually know it's gone up now. It used to be three grand. It's now five it's four. Now. Or is it four? Four. Four thousand dollars for the winner of the black belt division. And Otavio just go. He's like, yeah, easy money, man. You know, like Why four not? grand for a couple of matches. Yeah. I guess if it's easy money, <laughs> not easy money for me. No, but. easy, easy for Otavio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. But uh, that was one of the many events that we had running over the weekend, and uh, definitely go back and check out those matches. But one of the biggest events that. You know, I was at, and a lot of people were talking about, was the World Series of Grappling. So, first of all, we have to mention that the two big winners out of that, the, because they had two divisions, right? The under 180 pounds and over, in effect, and the light and the heavy absolute. And the two winners in the lightweight division was Manuel Hibama 
and in the heavyweight division was Muhammad Ali. And they each took home $20,000 cash Ooh, prize. What a big win for him, right? I mean, he took out some big, big names on his way to that, that cash prize. He did. And let's be honest, nobody put him in the shortlist of favorites to win that either. True. Right? There are a ton of great guys. I mean, it was it was hard to call any anyone being a sure bet, I think. So to see him on top, though, definitely shot me. I was I was coming home from ADCC trials and kind of following along the action. It's like... Holy shit, Hibamar's in the final. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> so Yeah, that whole thing was stacked. Edwin, Gabriel had the whole um, kind of next generation of Atos crew was in there, Jonatus and, and those guys, um, Johnny Tama. So mm. yeah, everybody was out there trying to trying to get that twenty thousand dollars. So definitely the winner um, earned it. And I, I, it's really interesting as well. You look at the, the the final, and it was him versus Victor Silverio, right? Now, again, that's not necessarily a final that I would have predicted, especially when you've got guys like Gabriel Arges, right? 2016, uh, sorry, 2017 world champion. Isaac Baez, 2018 world champion, all yep. in among that division. It's like, who would have predicted that Silverio and Hibamar would make it into the final of that? I've never seen... Um uh, Hibmar with a bigger smile <laughs> on his face than when he was handed the twenty thousand dollars in cash. You yeah. know, I think if you hand me twenty thousand dollars, you never see my smile. What's big. the most money? What's the most amount of cash you've held in your hand? I, I don't know, like two hundred grand. Two hundred grand? You held two hundred grand in your hand? I, I thought you were gonna I, say two hundred dollars. I, I was like, yeah, yeah me too. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's probably like a thousand dollars. I think I bought a motorcycle for two thousand dollars. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Paula. So. <laughs> That Still was the, dropping a zero though. About twenty grand. I sold it for much less, and it was a bad investment all around. But I did have two grand in cash at one point. It so felt good. It felt, felt good, good until I gave it away. Man, twenty grand in cash is interesting because you know you'd expect it to be like a brick, but when it's a hundred dollar bills as well, mm, it's, only like, it's only like that thick. I'll take it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's what Hibamar said. I'll take it. So, and he did, and he took it in good fashion as well. I got to say, he had a great run to get there into the final. Muhammad Ali, obviously the same. He had a he had a pretty tough run as well. Uh, faced off with Keenan in the semi-final, which I think is really interesting to note because he's actually fought Keenan twice this year. And it's really interesting because he, he lost to him twice. He lost to him um, at the, the final of the Pans, mm-hmm. and then he dropped a decision to him in ACB. And it's really interesting because Muhammad actually said that both those matches he felt better and he actually felt like he deserved to win those matches. Now, obviously, he lost on the advantage, but he felt that he should have won the, de- the decision and he didn't. And this time... He didn't feel that he deserved to win because hmm. he didn't really feel like he, he went after it enough with the submission-only rules. Hmm. But hey, 20 grand later, I don't think he's complaining too much. It seemed like there were some interesting decisions made. You were on the ground. You kind of saw maybe more than what was on the stream. What did it seem like to you as far as the judging and, and submission-only and the gi with reaping? How did that sort of affect things? Not bad. Not bad. You know, I think the referees have come under fire in the past for some let's say, you know, uh, unusual decisions. And uh, that happens all the time, man. It happens regardless of the organization and regardless of the, yeah. the refereeing crew. But um, it definitely was an improvement on the previous event. Um, that is, uh, you know, a, a, an absolute given. It was much, much better than before. They figured it out. Um, there were one or two decisions that were a little bit strange, but uh, it was almost the problem was the, actually the competitors and not the referees. Because some of the competitors literally forgot that they were competing under submission rules. <laughs> because they're so ingrained to compete under the point system sure. and fighting for near points, advantages. And in their head, they're racking it up, right? They're like, they knock the guy over and they think, okay, yeah, I'm ahead on now. Uh, you know, or they come up on top and think, oh, yeah, I'm winning. But no, because the, it was literally, it was submission only. And all that mattered were number one criteria submission attacks. And in matches where there weren't any, it was very difficult to decide a winner, right? Mm. Like, does a, <coughs> does a near sweep, you know, is that more important than your near guard pass? Or, you know what I mean? It's, it, it, the problem is that, well, you've got to get up and you've got to finish that shit if you want to win a decision. Mm. It's interesting, though. Yeah, you, I didn't realize this, but yeah, it's a good point that basically I, I'd be curious how many other submission-only tournaments a lot of those guys have, have done, right? How many submission-only tournaments has Muhammad Ali done? How many submission-only tournaments? First time I've ever seen it, yeah. Yeah, Hibamar. I don't think I've ever seen him do a submission-only tournament. I mean, Victor Silverio... Um, a lot of those guys. So yeah, it's an the interesting point. Fighters, yeah, usually, yeah, yeah. So yeah. There's a lot, a lot of um, those guys. Their their first time dipping their toes into submission only. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, definitely, and it opens up a, <coughs> a, a whole me. a whole different kind of argument, right? It's like you know the they often say that the rules make the matches, but you know I, I guess that sometimes the competitors need to kind of step up as well, right? 
Yeah, it, it makes me wonder though. What if a sub only guy threw on the gi for once and like mm. entered the event? How that would change? Who are you things? talking about? No, I mean, <laughs> I, mean I mean, just in, in general, in someone that's uh, super familiar or very comfortable playing a, a sub only game. Yeah, you know, because if you have the same group of competitors, the same kind of pool, it doesn't really matter what the rules are. They're going to fight each other the same way. They they kind of are ingrained with a certain style. But if you throw in a wild card. Maybe that'll really mix things up. So. Yeah, I gotta say though, I mean, it's like not not everybody was like that. You know, mm. some guys definitely were. Uh, I mean, Edwin even said to me before he went in, uh, he's like, "Sub only. I don't have to care about points. I'm just gonna go after it. I'm just gonna go straight for the kill. Like, screw getting my guard pass. Doesn't matter, you know." And actually, that's exactly the mentality that he needed. He was at least aware of it. But some other guys, <laughs> I don't want to throw him under the bus, but I'm gonna Keenan, okay? But Keenan rocked up. And literally the day off, he's like, oh, this is Saboni? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. He didn't know. And he competed in the last one. It's like, come <laughs> on, man. So, <laughs> he competed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, you yeah, know. still did pretty well. Made it a final, yeah. I mean. Semi-final and third yeah. place. Yeah. 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 And um, let's, let's discuss, like, some of the guys that stood out for you. Any <coughs> breakout stars for you guys from that event? Any any division? I mean, I think it's got to be Hibamar really kind of put a stamp on it. But I'm also super impressed with Silverio. And it's been a great couple of weeks for him. You know, he did really well at the Grand Slam. So um, <laughs> maybe he's coming on strong because he's had some, some mixed levels of, of success. He's always right there as a top guy. But sometimes has some issues with getting the points when he needs them. Sometimes yeah. some ref, some refing calls or whatever. But, man, he's doing really well for himself lately. Yeah, no, you're right, actually. I and mean, we, we've... Uh, he made the switch over to Gracie Baja, I forget now, like a year and a half ago, I guess, somewhere Is that around long there. Ago? Yeah, yeah, it's time flies. But, um, you know, maybe it took a little while for him to settle into the rhythm and uh, the training that he's been doing. He's not just training at Gracie Baja Northridge, he's also training at Meraki sure. uh, in Santa Monica, right? Yes, with yeah. Jason Hunt and uh, Kenny Florian. Yeah, yeah and uh, he's been working a lot on that stand up game with Jason Hunt. And mm. actually, we saw it because that was, that was a real deciding factor in his match with Isaac. Isaac Bayens is known as like just pit bull when it comes to stand up, right? And uh, I mean, you know, Vic- Victor goes head to head with anybody, and that match was very much a, you know, grinding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were like literally in the center of the mat, forehead to forehead. But uh, yeah, yeah, you got to shout out to, to Jason Hunt because it seems like he's he's been working with um, all that those, that Gracie Baja crew on their stand up, on their judo game. Edwin and, and Gabriel, and even even AJ, I bet, I bet a little Man, bit too. I saw Edwin hit a lovely Kochi Gary, that little inside foot sweep thing. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know, the kind of people are so obviously um, aware of him going for that triangle from the the flying triangle from the yeah, grips, yeah. and you know they start like backing out, backing out, backing out, and he's just like, okay, rip, and put tosses on his on his ass with it. That was cool. That's nice. So, that was a wild match. So I gotta say, go Edwin back and watch this. Yeah, that was a fun one. But uh, breakout stars. Um, sorry, I got a cough here. All of a sudden, <coughs> breakout stars. Doing good. Buddy? Uh, Doing good? I know. I'll yeah, get you another <coughs> coke over here. I, think. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. But um, I just wanted to point out the. Um, yeah, I got to point out the Kynan versus Marigali match. I think um, that was a crazy one. And, and man, I just think because Kynan's so young and and you know he just just got his black belt and to go up first was first round right? First. Round opening round opening match. Up. That's a tough was, match. Was, yeah, Kainan Duarte, you know, who got his black belt like five months ago, uh, up against yeah. the 2017 IBJJF's, you know, world champion. That's 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 a big deal right there, right? Because Marigali, obviously, you know, no secret as to who he is, right? But mm. Kainan's still kind of making a name for himself. But holy crap, how good a name has he made in the short period that he's actually been a black belt? Of right. course, because you got to look back just a couple weeks ago when he fought um, Gordon Ryan, Nogi, you know, and uh, obviously I think a lot of us are, are pretty high on, on Gordon Ryan as one of the best Nogi specialists in the world, and for him to kind of take Gordon to the brink in Nogi in, at Nogi Pans and then kind of turn around just a few weeks later and have to fight in the Gi Nicholas Marigali, um, I definitely tip my cap to, to Kynan because that's, uh, that's no easy feat. He's been super active, right? And I think that's actually key right now. It's like you're you're a brand new black belt. Just get out there and get as much spe- much experience as you can, right? You got just got to get the reps, right? And um, every time he competes, becomes more and more familiar with those guys, learns a little bit more about their games, about himself. Just getting that experience to compete at the upper level. I mean, he's already performing great, and his and confidence has got to be sky high right now. Yeah, and he's twenty years old. Yeah, that kid is twenty. That is incredible when you think about how quickly he's advanced. He's an ADCC veteran, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just unreal. And he's competing again soon, actually, November 3rd. Spider, Spider BJJ Invitational uh, yes. in South Korea. You're going to that. So. I'll be in Seoul. I'll be looking forward to that event, as always. Yeah. You know who he's fi- fighting against? 
Victor Hugo. Mm, it's the semi-finals of that's the, right. the tournament. Now him and Victor have got history, right? Yeah, they've, they've got, got plenty of many good times. matches. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if Victor's ever beat Kynan though. To be honest, their match was very close. They've was had it close matches? Was it Nogi Worlds last year? It was super close. I know there's a bunch of times so that they one fought comes Euro- to mind. Europeans. Yeah, I yeah, know yeah. too, and they fought at Worlds um, this this past year. And Victor's as well. still a brown belt. Important to add, you know. Yep, still a brown belt. He had a great show last weekend in World Series of Grappling as well. He tapped out Kevin Casey in the opening mm-hmm. round. Really, yep. Yeah, it was beautiful. He like did a spider guard sweep. You know, kind of like took him over to one side, knocked him down, and as Kevin kind of like righted himself and came back up on top. He kind of went with it, and he attacked for like a, an arm lock on the other arm, like oh, nice. almost like like like, like an omoplata kind of setup, but instead like the arm was straight, and it was a, it was a, a verbal tap, it was a screen tap. Oh, it was nice, man, Yikes. really slick. I, I just want to also reference because I saw a lot of people saying that Marigali got robbed, that Marigali kind of uh, deserved deserved to win it, and and things like that, and and you know. Um, do you agree with that? Uh, you know, I, I probably disagree with that. It was a very close match, very close match, and, and you can go back and, and watch it and decide for yourself and it, hear what you guys have to think too. But, um, yeah, you know, it's a, a referee's decision, a submission-only match, and there was no submission, right? So it goes to a referee's decision, you know, and we kind of put that um, emphasis uh, on the referees, and they ended up giving it to Kynan. You know, whatever the, they saw, whatever the, the criteria was that they that they picked, they gave it to Kynan. Um, you know, I'm never mad about a referee's decision going either way. That's sort of what happens in our sport these days. If you can't um, submit or you can't score the points, it goes up to the refs, and, and obviously somebody's going to be very disappointed. Somebody's going to be mad. So can't can't complain too too much about it. But I, don't think wasn't. Was, I don't think he was robbed. So that's, he wasn't complaining about it too much. I gotta say, you know, you, you talked to him afterwards. Yeah, briefly, and because um, I was interested to know how he felt. You know, like you say, you know, somebody's always disappointed in that situation, and I was like, well, let's see how he feels. And I think he was more disappointed in in it going that way, you know, and, and going to a decision as opposed to being disappointed with the decision. You know, I think he understood that. Okay, like I said, submission only. I didn't finish it. Deal with it. But um, Marigal is a, yeah. a submission hunter too. Like in mm-hmm. points tournaments, mm-hmm. you know, like he is a guy who's ripping on Kimuras. He's he's going after people. So oh man, his he, finisher rate must be sky high. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he's he's not really just a points player. He's a guy who who submits people often. You know, he submitted um, Felipe Pena at the World Championships. Um, so he's got a lot of submissions, like like you said. Yeah. Well, um, my personal standout was uh, was Jansen Gomez of Checkmat. The oh yeah, sixteen yeah. year old blue belt who won the the. Blue purple belt combined, uh, under no, oh, yeah, under 180 pound division. Kids still juvenile too, not even eligible to fight in adults yet. Wow, you know, wow. was beating purple belts and stuff, and had um, it kind of had the luck of the draw. You know, he had a couple of buys in his opening rounds because of like DQs and forfeits and stuff. Um, got through to the finals though, and took on Andy Murasaki of Atos, and you know, Andy's a tank, right? Purple belt killer, and um, won. You know, pretty decisively. I think he won three rounds to zero because it was like That's a incredible. special. Yeah, yeah, kid's amazing. But you know, a couple of guys Juvenile, there man. were kind of like, oh man, who is this kid? I've known Jansen since he was like an orange belt or something mm. like that because he's from Checkmate in Rio, right? Same gym, same favela as Jackson Souza, Terra Ray, all those killers from the Checkmate team, and he literally is the next Jackson Souza. This kid. Like, oh, wow, you heard, heard it here first. Oh, yeah. Next no, Jackson no Souza. No doubt. Absolutely. This kid's 16 years old, blue belt. He's got all potential in the world. And he's training now in California with Leo Vieira. Now, tell me that that is not going to be amazing. I remember we were, we were watching him uh, on our last day of the Road to Worlds Tour. We stopped in at Checkmat. It's right there in Long Beach where the, the venue for Worlds is. And he was having a go with uh, Hanato Canuto, I believe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, it was crazy. I mean, Hanato is one of the best black belts on the scene. He might even be a little bit smaller than Jansen, but they were doing uh, takedown for takedown. It was a lot of fun, a lot of wild scrambles. And I was like, damn, this kid is good. He had a blue belt on. I'm like, this is insane. Competitive? So, yeah, oh, I mean, it was, very, it was very fun. Very it was definitely fun to watch. You know, Hanato has a very playful style. Mm-hmm, and so, open. unless yeah. he's actually trying to murder somebody, I feel like he looks like he's having such a good time. And so, <laughs> it looked like a lot of fun. Yeah, um, I, I, I tell you, uh, it's amazing how much talent this one tiny little favela has produced. I mean, you went there. Is that, is that the one that... It is, yeah. Is it, what yeah. is it called? The, it's called Cantagallo. That's Cantagallo? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, is it like Paivo, Paisha? Yeah, this, this Pavel, Pavelzinho as well. Pavel, Pavel means, um, literally means peacock, right? Mm. And Pavel, a little peacock. So it's like there used to be like three favelas and they all kind of merged into one. But people just call it Cantagallo. It's like the... Gotcha, gotcha. And um, Cantagallo means cockcrow. 
basically means like a noise that like oh. a crow makes when it sings, so like Song of the Crow. So, but uh, the favela is like right there on the hill, and literally right at the base is the gym. Yeah. And you know, it, it took like ten minutes to walk door to door, and Jansen's like, oh, I miss it. You know, obviously that's where he grew up. Sure. You know, but him and his brother Jonathan uh, Gomez as well, Jonathan, Jonathan Gomez. I'm sorry, um, who's a brown belt. Uh, those kids are really something special, and you know, checkmate. They, they, they always did a great job in in really developing opportunities. You know, developing the talent and giving opportunities to those kids from the favela. And we've seen it, man. It's taken them around the world, right? So was was he there? You think that time we went to to the gym? Oh man, I have to go back and yeah. look at the footage. Yeah, Maybe, have to go back and look. yeah, if he was there. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. Sat in the corner like with a, like a, a green belt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> nice, but yeah, huge talent and excited to see what uh, what what the future has in store for him. And the other thing, of course, that that from World Series of Grappling, and we even had some comments about it uh, in our live stream right here. Dylan Melton, what's your opinion on the argument that lower belts should be allowed to do more attacks to the legs and ankles? Oh, yeah, that, that was really cool. Funny you should ask us, Dylan, <laughs> because we did discuss this the other day on the site. But mm-hmm. I gave my opinion, and my opinion was, let them leg lock, right? What about you guys? What do you think? Blue and purple belts. Let me bang, bro. Yeah. <laughs> let me get after it. I mean, I, I don't think you see a gym out there really that – disallows, you know, knee bars for purple belts. Blue belts, I've seen some places be like, no, 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 you can't do that. But then you get your certain training partners that you trust and you know you're not going to kill each other. And and then it's kind of open season. So I think why not allow it? So – what about you, Reed? I know you're, you're not a huge fan of the leg locks personally, are <laughs> no, you? No, no, I'm a fan of. The, I'm definitely a fan of the leg locks. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe I sit a little bit more on the fence though than you guys, just because you know. I don't know. Obviously, the, the, those guys that we're talking about, guys like Andy Murasaki and and, um, and uh, Jansen Gomez and things like that, these are guys who are in the sport for the long haul. These are guys who are getting reps in basically for the sole reason of. of you know, preparing themselves for, for black belt. So it makes a lot of sense, obviously, for those type of guys and stuff to um, to attack all submissions and things like that, you know. Um, you know, but also you can't ignore that jiu-jitsu is um, a little bit more of a recreational sport for, for a lot of people, the majority of people. It's a little bit more recreational. So um, I don't know. I, I guess I, I don't mind that, that we're not allowed to do leg locks uh, at blue in Purple Bell. I don't think it's a real detractor too, too much. But mm. obviously for, for these guys, you know, obviously they're, they're doing leg locks in the gym. Obviously they need to be aware of the leg locks because, you know, um, at Brown Bell, at Black Belt, you, you do see knee bars and, and things like that all the time. So, uh, you know, it's good practice, obviously. But um, I'm not a guy who's, who's rushing to, to change the rules across the board. That's yeah, actually I, a good point. I, I, yeah. I think that's a more measured opinion. I'm glad there are outlets like Fight to Win and World Series of Grappling where Purple Belts are given more free reign. That's true. And Purple Belts in Fight to Win, they can knee bar it's, until it's wide too, open. right? Yep. Yeah. And, um, you know, those are professional shows. They're for pro athletes. As was, you know, let's say the caliber at the World Series of Grappling as well was of a level where I think those guys, they assume the risk. Yeah. You know, they're walking into that with their eyes wide open. They know exactly what it's, you know, what the deal is. And there's a cash prize on the, the line as well. So I think it's a little bit more valid than some guy who has to go to work on Monday morning and to do so on crutches. That would not be I cool. Mean, <laughs> I mean, actually, I think the the entry fee plays a big role here, too. It's 500 bucks to be at World Series of Grappling. You're not going to get some, you know, weekend warrior that's poning up 500, knowing that he's going to face some of the very best talent in the world. You know, it's not a, not a participant. Pr- participation prize worth having you know yeah, 500 bucks so uh maybe there is some benefits to that i never really thought about it but it weeds out some of the the not worthy opponents but you know yeah let us know what you think in the comments because that's a that's a hotly debated topic i think you know leg locks are so um in these days and uh such a uh, you know they are hot commodities so do it good <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but uh, i i always remember like back in back in um, being a white belt and going to different gyms and stuff like that and talking to guys and being like oh yeah i lost my my bjjf match but like dude like wouldn't even let me heel hook or they wouldn't even <laughs> let me knee bar man and i'm like dude i don't want you ripping on my heels and my my knees you're a white belt you've been doing this for six months like Those I, guys I don't are want silly. that silly for sure <laughs> yeah there's a good argument for not letting people do it because they just grab it yeah yeah like yeah. I, man, I i totally support that I I don't want this guy ripping on my knee. You see that like <laughs> face where like they're really squeezing hard. You're like get away from me. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm a smash. <laughs> so uh, yeah, World Series grappling is a lot of fun, and this uh, it was a good event. I get definitely go back, check, the, watch the matches and stuff. There's so many, so many good moments to to touch on from there. We can take an hour to talk about that, but 
Another big event that we had uh, just last weekend was in Romania. That's right. ADCC Trials. Beautiful Bucharest, Romania. What the heck was what Romania were you there like? for? <laughs> I was, well, you just said it for ADCC Trials. The I first European a, Trials. First European Trials, yes. There's another one coming in the spring, I believe in Poland. We have some footage going now here of uh, when I was at Trials last weekend. Saw a lot of great submissions, a lot of well-rounded games. It was not just leg attacks. We saw uh, Ross Nichols here actually does hit a beautiful heel hook. Uh, he's one of the standouts of the event. But overall, so he won the 77 kilo division and got the ticket to go to ADCC Worlds. That's right. So first place winners for the men's divisions all earned their trip to ADCC Worlds in September of 2019. This is the above 99 kilogram winner here, Eldar Rafigav. I'm sure I said that wrong. His nickname is Yakuza, and he's just a savage. He was, he submitted everyone on his way to gold, all four fights. There's a lot of great wrestling, crazy takedowns, all the stuff you expect from ADCC. Well, let, let's ask it actually then, because in this clip here, we're seeing a, a variety of techniques and stuff. But mm-hmm. what was the overall impression of the, the style of grappling? Did you see uh, a lot of a specific thing or was it a mix of everything? Because ADCC is very different to what we usually see at gi grappling or even no gi grappling points tournaments. So sure. what, what, what was the kind of the overall takeaway? Well, the well-rounded athletes won, you know, um, Vegard, for example, uh, Vegard Randberg from Norway, did quite well with sort of a traditional game, heavy pressure passing, but then he ran in the Ross Nichols and got heel hooked. You, you have to know the leg game. You cannot ignore it. Um, Adam Warzynski might be one of the guys who does not favor the leg game. Uh, he's featured here right now, taking the back, about to get the submission. Just great fundamentals, though, right? Yeah, get he, the back he, finish with a choke. He had a, his butterfly game was was in full effect, and you can learn that by the way on Flow Grappling. We have a twenty minute masterclass on Ooh. no gi butterfly guard. Oh, check that um, out! But again, Adam was adept at getting out of leg locks, so you have to know them. You ha- for any uh, at least med- be aware of them. Yeah, right? at least be aware of what's going on in those um, situations. But overall. I would say it was is a well-rounded game. I think ADCC's reached a certain level, uh, leg lock consciousness with sub only and EBI and all these other avenues to to promote them. There's sort of a general understanding, and the guys who didn't have any of it were weeded out quickly. Now the wrestling was quite. Hang good. on, let me let me let me take a step back there. Then, so about the leg locks, mm. um, you'd say that in general there were still some people who weren't kind of really too tuned into what's going on with the lower body. Sure, and they were out very quickly. I'm surprised about that, to be mm-hmm. honest, because, you know, especially the last couple of years, and the, the, there's certainly no secret that people are winning big, big tournaments with leg locks, right? You know, Danaher, Death Squad, perfect example, yep. of the guys who cleaned up at every level. Um, you'd think people pay attention to that, right? I mean, people are just confident in their game. You know, they, they smash people in the gym. They, they do well regionally. Who knows? I mean, like I said, Vegard did quite well, and he admitted to me quite openly that like he doesn't really train heel hooks. He's even more of a key player. Um, and he was able to sort of, with brute force, escape some leg locks. I mean, it looked like it was painful. It, it didn't seem elegant. It was not an informed <laughs> sort of way. And he was very open about that. He's like, look, I don't know quite what I'm doing. I just know i got to get my knee out of there. And, you know, that's what he did. But he ran into a guy eventually that was good enough to take advantage of that. And that's, gotcha. you know, the case for almost anyone that had no awareness. So to anyone thinking of competing in ADCC, you, you have to learn those leg entanglements, um, at least enough to get out of them. Because, so. I mean, you know, we're a couple of years into the whole leg lock phenomenon now, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I just I, – I'm surprised that people are still, you know – it's kind of like, well – you know, you learn wrestling, you learn guard passing, you learn sweeps and bottom stuff, like you learn everything. Why are you still ignoring 50% of the human yeah, body? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I mean, obviously kind of like the lead up to uh, ADCC in uh, 2017 and 2015, obviously too, a little different, but definitely obviously Gordon, I think, really proved um, that leg locks work. Obviously, I think the landscape just a little different um, in 2017, not too many people, I think, were, were really genuinely picking Gordon to, to win the whole thing or w- Gordon to, to do as well as he did. And to, to see him kind of come out of it um, the way he did, I think, it really proved the, um, you know, the effectiveness of the leg entanglements, of heel hooks and stuff like that. So I'm definitely super interested to see how this cycle of ADCC, mm. how this cycle of ADCC trials, you, you know, exactly that, how people are going to adapt to the leg game. I think, you know... 
people are much more hip to it these days. It seems like the Dan Hurst DVD is out. Um, the Tenth Planet guys, you know, are, are very, very good at it as well. Um, so there's a lot of footage on, you know, even on flow grappling of, of the leg locks and stuff. So I'm wondering if we're going to be seeing, you know, a lot more uh, competitiveness in, in those um, positions and stuff, or if you're still going to see, you know, a lot of kind of mismatches in, in the leg entanglement. I think let, me, a, let me ask one mm. thing. So sorry, but about about the winners, the, the the gold medalists, the guys who did qualify for the ADCC Worlds, how many of them won with leg locks? Like Ross, obviously, is a great example. Two comes to mind: uh, Ross and Eldar Rafigov. Mm -hmm. uh, Adam did not win with any leg locks, and I want to say the guy who won sixty-six kilograms—I forget his name—he's from Dagestan. Um, he Just won mostly with wrestling. Uh -huh. he, he did get a submission in, in the final. He, t he had a beautiful double leg takedown where he ended up on the back. The guy kind of trolled up, took the back, and got a rear naked choke. Um, but so not that many leg lock specialists going in and, and cleaning up. No, I, I mean, I think there was a general awareness of them. I mean, like I said, the people who got out early, they didn't know, and they're gone. They didn't last. Um, but that Ross and Eldar, I mean, it, from what it seemed watching watching uh, their message, matches, it did seem like those two guys kind of dominated their divisions, they, right? They look very good. You know, I, I think um, 77 kilograms at European Trials was the most stacked and well-balanced division. There were no like easy matches. 30-plus people in that division uh, There was, there was well, 50 right? people, I believe. Wow. There, was, wow. there was a round of 64. They didn't hit all 64, but it was up there. Right. And, um it, it, the guy who took third, uh, Mateus something from Poland, I can't even say that name. Yeah. He looked amazing. He had a nice flying scissor takedown to inside heel hook. Oh, we saw the clip yeah, of that. Yeah. That's uh, on our Instagram. Um, That's that was beautiful. Th there was definitely like Ross was great. had a had a flawless performance and really jumped out to me as someone to watch in the future. But the, uh, whoever took second was right there as well. I mean, there was no clear winner. Gotcha. Uh, whereas in Eldar's division, he stood out head and shoulders above. I think just uh, above ninety nine. There is, isn't quite the talent depth as there is at some of the more middle weight classes. So um, overall, I was greatly impressed. You know, that was a really exciting opportunity for me to go to, to basically Eastern Europe and see a lot of guys that don't make the trip over to, to the United States to compete. You know, and that's mainly where we are, are based. So and it's a pretty cool European representation right there as well. I'm just scanning through the results now. Like you said, you've got Russia, uh, you've got UK, Poland. Finland, and I think Eldar was from Moldova. Moldova, yes. Wow. So there's, uh, you know, the five categories right there, five different European nations represented. So, man, I know, great. I know I keep, I kind of say this every week, but like, I'm so excited for ADCC season. You know, I know we have a full year basically <laughs> mm -hmm. until 2019. You're gonna keep this going for the next till, till 19 <laughs> worlds, but um, it's just such an exciting process. The way we we're gonna watch it all, uh, you know, unfold. You know, I, I, I haven't watched too many of the trials ever before really this so i'm super excited to to follow the trials follow like this we have another trials in, coming up just in, a couple weeks in, here in um jersey. In new jersey with the tom the blast is going to be running you'll you know, go to that one i'm going to go to that one and i already know especially here in the states you know i think that uh, it's going to be stacked the, the, those both those trials east coast i, and I got west a sneak coast. peek a sneak peek mm. at the competitor list for the uh the jersey trials I'm gonna say, damn. Yeah, yeah. Some I mean, spicy names in there. Uh, we've, we've heard <laughs> it before, man. Some unexpected names in there as well. We've actually. we've heard that Roberto wants to do it. We've heard that Devonte Johnson wants to do it. You know, uh, we we've heard just a, a a lot of names that are gonna that are gonna be in there, and uh, it's just gonna be so exciting. And, and the way that 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 you know, so now we have what? Um, there's how many how many divisions? Whatever. There's six six divisions. So now we have six right. guys. Five. 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 Sorry. Yeah. So five. there's five divisions. Now we have five guys who are. Slated in for for ADCC now, so like yep. the, it's officially started. You know, and we'll have the, five the more in a few weeks. Exactly, yeah. the brackets are going to start filling out. You know, you got you got to think guys like uh, you know the winners, JT Gordon, um, and, and things like that. They're going to get you know automatic invites for yeah, sure. Automatic invites, yep. so you can start already. You can start already seeing how the uh, these brackets are going to be kind of uh, playing out. So that's going to be. So much fun. I'm so excited. Yeah, me too. I got to anyway. say. Um, so <laughs> about ADCC, uh, it is important to know as well. We've got ADCC veterans watching us live right now. Wagner Hosha, uh, Orlando Sanchez. Orlando, oh, what's cool up? Is, how cool is it to have guys like that tuning into Fistful of Collars? I got to say. Big love to you guys. You guys are awesome. Wagner, of course, competing this weekend on Fight to Win against Tanquinho. That's a great match. Amazing wow. match. Great, great yeah. match. Absolutely. In Miami too, right? Like in Wagner's backyard. That's Wagner cool. has two of his, uh, his kids are competing too. Oh, yeah. Jazz, yeah. Jasmine and his son uh, are both on the card as well. That's wow. so badass. Family of fighters right there. Full 
family fight to win. I've never seen his boy compete, but Jasmine, she's a savage. She's really good. She's her match at Submission now. Underground stands out to me. I remember she just wrecked shop with, with the Kimura Trap system that Wagner's so well known 50, for. 50 of the arms. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So that was nice. awesome. I love that. Uh, well, moving on, uh, we're talking a lot about leg locks just now with the ADCC, and that um, leads in nicely to your trip last weekend. So we had four live events, but yeah, we also had busy. another little trip on the in the in there, and that was not for a live event. What was that for, Reed? Where'd you go? Yeah, just kind of out of the blue, you emailed me and you were like, "Hey, John Danaher and Ben Askren are teaching a seminar in Albany. You want to go?" And I was like, "What? <laughs> Absolutely, I want to go to that. That's like the one thing in the entire world I want to go to." <laughs> Oh, but uh, yeah, so out in Albany, there was a, a wrestling tournament on Flow Wrestling, the Journeyman Classic, and um, you know Ben is a, is a wrestling coach these days. Ben Askren, he, he um, teaches the um, the club program, I believe, at um, at Wis- in Wisconsin. He's retired from MMA now. No, I wouldn't say he's he's quite retired. He's still putting out feelers yeah, out there. Right? I, he was yeah, even yeah. he was even ribbing John a little bit that he wanted that he was wanted to. Ben at GSP match. Yeah, so he bad. wanted to bend his oh, ear about yeah. GSP a little bit. But uh, yeah, you know, I, he um, he was going to be there coaching his wrestlers and things. It's a big preseason high school tournament. And, um, you know, John also lives in New York. So they thought, why don't we bring these two minds together? Um, you know, maybe a pairing that maybe you wouldn't kind of um, outright think think made a lot of sense. But I think putting them to the two of them together, it made so much sense. Both these guys are, are really cerebral guys. You know, both these guys really think uh, about the the way they do things, you but know, so different. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't get more different yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Right? But but I, you know, Ben talked a little bit about it in uh, in some of the videos I have with him. You know, where he says that he doesn't like just to to um, you know kind of just knock his head against the wall and, and hope that he gets better. You know, and I think John has the same approach in that you know he he constantly thinks you know is what's what's the the best way to do things. I know this is the way we've done things for ten years, but is really that the best way to to mm-hmm. do that? And and so you know, John has obviously really kind of uh, revolutionized a lot of the way we think in in jujitsu. I think would be a fair well. The big thing, to say. the big thing, sorry about John, is that um, that he believes there is a better teaching methodology available to us, and he yeah. feels that I, I think that plays into exactly what. Uh, Askren, you know, famously said on the Rogan podcast about how jujitsu guys don't know how to train properly. Right? Yeah, yeah, kind of the same thing. But hey, we have some video from the. That's very true. Yeah, yeah. So you can we, we can pull up some of this video right Let's here. Let's roll the video and we can just talk over it. Sure, right? sure. Yeah. So this is just they basically just split things up. You know, this is um, uh, Ben taught takedowns and and John taught. You guessed it, leg locks. Were there any wrestlers in attendance, like pure wrestlers doing the leg lock stuff? Yeah, there definitely were. There definitely were some guys who, you know, and after an hour, they they switched groups, and there was definitely guys there who were only really interested in the wrestling portion, and there were guys there who were only interested in the um, grappling leg locks portion of it. So they kind of just stayed with their guys. But I was actually, I thought it was going to be all wrestlers, to be honest, because it was this big wrestling tournament just took place earlier in the day. I don't know, there's such a strong no-gi scene in the Northeast, though, right? Yeah, yeah. New York. You have to think that a lot of guys they would they would make the trip up for that. Yeah, there definitely were a lot of, a lot of jiu-jitsu guys for sure. So um, now I got to ask one thing: like um, John is well known for having a very well developed series of attacks from front headlock, and of course Askren is a wrestler. He knows front headlock better than anybody. Were, were there any kind of moments like that where they got together and there was like a meeting of the minds, like sharing of technique? Yeah, a little bit T- towards towards the end. You can this is, so this, this video right here is from the the vlog that I did. You can watch that the whole thing on our um, YouTube channel or or on our, our site. And um, but yeah, they they did at the very end get together and kind of um, you know do a, a little meeting of the minds. And it was supposed to be thirty minutes. Of course, you know John and, and Ben talking. It ended up being one question for John. <laughs> <it might> be. <laughs> it ended up being kind of an, an hour plus. Um, but I think everybody was just absolutely captivated by the two of them. So, you know, we could have done a, a, an extra hour. Um, but th- that that was probably, yeah, one of my, one of my favorite parts. Was Any just getting to listen salient to questions stand out to you that are uh, really still kind of pickling your brain? Like, what anything come out of that? Yeah, definitely that, that what, um, what Hal just mentioned there, you know, because Ben Askren has been a little critical of um, the way jiu-jitsu, um, the way jiu-jitsu, people train and things like that and he's been outspoken on, on the John Ro- uh, Joe Rogan podcast so uh, definitely that was something that you know I think all, a lot of us were, were dying to kind of talk to John and, and ask and get them to debate a little bit and uh, we have a video of that coming it's going to be coming Ooh. next week so definitely check it out and uh, you know I don't know I don't want to give too too much away about it but uh, it, it was a very interesting conversation the, the two of them you know are, are very steadfast in a lot of their opinions and stuff like that so uh, they, they do get into a little debate. 
So uh, I like that. Stay, stay tuned for that. That's going to be uh, coming out next week, probably. That sounds awesome. That sounds awesome. Yeah, and what yeah. about the overall vibe there then? Because um, you you know you you came from wrestling before you even got involved in grappling and stuff. What was it like going back to that world? Oh man, I'm just the wrestling. Tra- it's been a long time since I've been a wrestling tournament. Probably since I don't know. I, I went to a couple in 2015. Um, but this was like high school wrestling to you, a preseason high school wrestling tournament. Crazy. You know? yeah, yeah. So it's like really only like the diehard of the diehard wrestlers were, were high school wrestlers were there for this one. Um, but uh, no, I mean, you, you can just see, right? There's just like 10 mats kind of on the ground. There's <laughs> just like, um, you know, the smell of a wrestling tournament. And there's and some that. guy puking in a trash can, so they were going hard in there. Yeah, it, was yeah. not a, it was not an exhibition match. Yeah, yeah. So. You know, it, it was definitely, it was a lot of fun. And, and wrestling's exciting, man. You know, if you've never watched a, a wrestling match or a wrestling tournament, um, wrestling is very it's very explosive. You know, sometimes jiu-jitsu can be a, a little slow-paced or a little bit more methodical. And, uh, you know, not wrestling, though. Wrestling, it's about kind of exploding that, that fast, a little bit more fast twitch and stuff. So definitely a lot of big takedowns, a lot of exciting takedowns. It was fun to to jump back into that world for, for a little bit. And you know who also loves wrestling? Who? John Danaher, man. He, oh, yeah. I'm he sure. is very in tuned with the uh, international wrestling scene. You know, he was, he was um, I think, very eager to talk wrestling with some of the wrestling guys, talk, um, you know, the Russian team and, and talk the, uh, the Iranians and things oh, like that. He was very, very in, in tune. Um, because, you know, John is, uh, you know, he's, he's a connoisseur of grappling, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. He's, he's taken a lot from, from judo and applied it in uh, a submission grappling stroke jiu-jitsu context. And obviously makes sense that he's done so from other grappling arts, you know. The guy is a scholar of grappling, you know. So it's really, uh, I, I would love to see if there's anything coming out of, you know, Danaher's squad then that reflects that. Because I mean, Gordon Ryan, obviously, he's we've been, seen the, been teasing we his wrestling, it, yeah. right? Yeah, he's so. been taking people down recently. Um, but, I mean, Very he's true. just one guy. Is it going to be a thing? Is it going to be a system, you know? Because the leg lock system was something that he got from, man, a bit of everywhere, you know? Mm. And then uh, the he does actually have really, really good gi takedowns, right? Because you've been there. Every class he teaches in the gi, he starts off with a takedown. Standing technique, yeah. definitely. Yep. And, you know, crazy thing is John doesn't even have a black belt in, in judo. Really? Technically. Travis Stevens, when he was here, even even complimented his judo. And Travis Stevens is not a complimentary man. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't just throw those out. (laughs) He's got to earn that one. Travis actually arranged for John Danaher to receive an honorary black belt in judo. Because he got there and he said to John, you know, because Travis trained a lot with Danaher, right? Gi and no gi. And he got there and he was like, who's this guy? You know, he didn't really know him. And, And John starts teaching judo and stuff at the beginning of the class. And takes a lot to impress Travis, right? And Travis was like, huh. And he goes up to John. He's like, who do you get your black belt from? John's like, I'm not a black belt, mm. you know? And he's like, well, fix that. <laughs> Let's get that arranged here yeah. for you. Yep, he's got that office in the back of the uh, blue basement, and uh, he's, uh, he's always watching watching something, watching judo, watching wrestling, watching grappling. You Hopefully know, he's on a, grappling. Yep. <laughs> he's a, certainly, like you said, a, a student of grappling. Yeah. yeah. So, um one of the things that you guys uh, you did after the oh, tournament. Oh, yeah, and then, and then after oh my the God. tournament. Come on, this is such a huge weekend, UFC 229, Connor versus Khabib. I can't think of a better better uh, crew to watch it with. Probably. You were there watching it with those guys. Watching it with John and, and Askren. You That's know, it was, awesome. It was, it was perfect. It's yeah, probably I'm, insane to be in that. Yeah, that yeah. I'm a, I'm a huge MMA fan, I, and I've always been a big fan of, of Connor fights. You know, they, they just elevate things. To, uh, to Would a, you say that you're a fanboy of Connor? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. But, man, I, I, I honestly... If you weren't a fan, you were watching that fight. Everybody was watching that I fight. I honestly was the only one there rooting for Connor. Cause I was, what? Because it was there, uh, it was a whole, it was all wrestlers, right? It was all wrestlers, Ben, his whole crew, and, and a lot of other wrestlers came. And there's a couple of other jiu-jitsu guys, too. Um, but the wrestlers obviously wanted the, the Russian wrestler to win the whole time. So, you know, I was shouting out for Connor and... Um, yeah, a couple times they told me to leave. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know. They're like, "This is the wrong crowd, bro." <laughs> but um, yeah, that, it was so much fun to to get to watch it with uh, with with Ben and 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 John. Of course, the fight before with Anthony Pettis and and um, Tony Wait, Ferguson and, and, and Ben is is one of Anthony's coaches. Mm. Um, we saw Dan Borovic. That's right. Too shout out to Dan Borovic. Was there any uh, real time analysis from the guys? Were people just screaming at each other? Yeah, I mean, that late in the night, it was like 1 o'clock in the morning on the East Coast. Um, I don't know. It's hard to remember, to be honest. <laughs> Screaming at each other. <laughs> hard to remember exactly what happened. A little hazy, happened. you might say. Uh, yeah. So, of course, result aside, everybody's talking about the, the rear naked 
choke. It was not a neck crank. Let's just make that very, very clear. And people are saying like, oh, Khabib tapped him with a neck crank. Oh, I don't know. It was over the face. I'm on the fence. I, mean, I know you I can choke a guy out unconscious yeah. with over the jaw. Can. It was a rear naked choke on top of the jaw, and he had a little bit of a twist to it, but he wasn't like twist. cranking the neck. I it think it's maybe a little you, column A, a little column B. Yeah, you know? it was that one yeah. where you, you've got the, the, the elbow on you know on top of the chin and you're pushing the chin down into that, and that's a legit strangle. So they call it like a mandible strangle or yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, Braulio Steema has that great video where God. he shows it. Um, it's on YouTube somewhere. Check it out. Like, he showed it to me actually once. I remember I was... I feel uh, sorry for your face. <laughs> I know. He showed it to me on somebody else. <laughs> perfect, <laughs> perfect situation. Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. But holy crap, man. He, when he showed it to me and the little difference that it makes that kind of downward pressure with the mm-hmm. elbow like that... Oh, it's nasty. It really is. So I'm not surprised Connor tapped, although I was a little bit disappointed he didn't fight out with it. Yeah, I mean, I think got to ask Connor what he tapped to, if it was a strangle. <laughs> Connor or it remains a... undefeated, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. If you he's, asked never, him. he's never tapped. So. <laughs> never lost. <laughs> but it wasn't the only thing people were talking about from that evening. Very, very Because the eagle true. took flight. Yeah, legendary the skirmish of, there. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a black eye on the sport. I can't decide myself how I feel about it. You know, the pre-fight antics. We're, we're pretty incredible from Connor in a good and bad way. Hang on a second. People are upset. A fight broke out with a fight. Come on. Yeah. It's not it's not freaking tiddlywinks. you got to go to a hockey game and it's what you're waiting for. Like, it's, ah, whatever. But Come on. If somebody jumped the cage and punched, or jumped the uh, the um, <laughs> the things at a hockey game and punched Wayne Gretzky in the face, you'd be pretty mad about that, I think. I would mad. not be mad. I'd be, <laughs> be all over like, that what shit. The, who, are these, who are these guys jumping, yeah. the, uh, jumping no, on the guys see, and punching see, Wayne Gretzky in the face? Bench clearing That's right. I'm comparing Conor McGregor and, and Wayne Gretzky, okay? Actually, it sounds like you're comparing Dylan Dennis and Wayne Gretzky yeah, because maybe. he's the one that Khabib was aiming for. That's true. That's right? true. So Dylan, of course, you know, no stranger to floor grappling. We've been we've been uh, following Dylan's career for a very long time. And uh, man, like, were you guys surprised to see Dylan mixed up in the middle of that? Because I don't know about you, as soon as as soon as Khabib jumped the fence, I went, <gasps> "It's Dylan!" Yeah, oh my God. <laughs> he's easy to point out too with the hair, right? Uh-huh. So. Stands out. What do you think? I thought he looked pretty good in, in, the, in the scrimmage. You know, uh, he did not back down from the challenge. There is that pretty epic screen grab of Khabib flying in like a goddamn eagle, which is <laughs> probably one of the most, like, iconic shots ever. For me, he was doing yeah. a freaking Super Mario impression, man. He was aiming to go square on top of Dylan's head. Like, it's pretty, pretty badass. But once he hit the ground, Dylan gave it right back to him. I thought Dylan looked pretty good. Yeah, I think Dylan, I mean, what a quick cra- decision from the, from the judges over here. Just what a crazy whole incident. You know, like, I, it was, people were saying it's more exciting than the fight. And, like, I kind of totally agree. It was like when we were all sitting there and it was, things were kind of waning. And it was like, oh, okay, the fight's over. And then all of a sudden he jumped. It, it was just mayhem where I, where I was watching it. Another so. round of drinks. Like, <laughs> we got to figure out what's going on here. But. It, I would just say it was a very surreal experience for me. So I was leaving ADCC European Trials. I had a 6 a.m. flight out of Romania, and it was I took off right before the fight started. I'm like, damn it, I'm going to miss the fight. Whatever, I'll check it out when I land. So I land in Paris for my connection, pull out my phone, and I just see this stream of posts on, on Reddit, did it, did it, did it, did it, on Instagram, like, what the fuck just happened? Like, there's Dylan getting the fights. There's Khabib being restrained. Like, I don't know what just went down. So I was definitely uh, taken aback by that. And before we get some 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 people talking about, you know, why why you guys talking about Dylan? Why why you guys he doesn't deserve it or he's not relevant in the sport? That's completely ridiculous to yeah. me. Of course, you know, Dylan is whether you like it or not. Dylan represents jujitsu, and now he represents jujitsu on a very very large scale. You know, I saw. Um, like the New York Times doing, or some huge publications doing, who, major mainstream doing, news, yeah. Doing who is Dylan Dennis and things like that. This is a guy. Well, like I said, whether you like it or not, he represents jujitsu to a large number of people nowadays. And um, you know, we've we've all known um, Dylan for for a long time now. Mm-hmm. You you've known him for for a very long time, mm-hmm. I think. We've all gotten to um, see his, his mediocre rise over these last couple of years. You know, the ups and downs of his career. We've gotten to roll. With Dylan, yeah, yeah, yeah. right. We've, yep. we've trained w- with Dylan, um, so this is this is a guy who, who's very much yeah, tightly wound within the jujitsu scene. I think you know whether you like it or not, and um, just to see him be be on this stage and to be the, the the most talked about guy coming out of a Connor versus Khabib fight, you know, I think it's something we got to talk about. Man, I think there are other jujitsu guys who would kill for that kind of attention. Yeah, let's be honest, right? I mean, Dylan put on like. He, he got like quarter of a million Instagram followers pretty much overnight after that. It's insane. And um, 
Yeah, but you know he has uh, he has made a claim or made a statement, I should say. You know because people were saying that apparently he was insulting Khabib and he was talking trash, and they were saying that he was saying some pretty like disparaging things, anti-Islamic about... things, mm-hmm. and very insulting. Which I've ringside. never seen Connor say anything um, disparaging about Islam. Well, I, I've never. Seen I got to say some of the remarks were thinly veiled, right? Like, well, Connor's one thing, but I haven't seen Dylan ever make any comments like that, right? And the, you know, there were there was literal hearsay. That Dylan was talking trash towards Khabib. Like mm. people said, we heard him say, were others like who were literally like John Kavanagh, for example, Connor's head coach, who was right next to Dylan, said on record, no, mm. no, he didn't say that. Yeah. And, you know, Dylan has made a statement that he said that basically, you know, he feels that people are attempting to smear him in an effort to justify his actions and uh, justify Khabib's actions. And he said, I have never and would never denigrate anybody's religion. And he looks forward to the results of uh, Nevada State Athletic Commission investigation which will reject this, quote, bullshit claim. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, you know, I got to say, like, Dylan, like, making statements like that. I can see him throwing the fingers for sure, but I, I you know. And you may think that, that what Dylan did is completely embarrassing to the, to the sport of jiu-jitsu. You, you may be on the other side of it. He didn't know? start it. Yeah, I mean, you know, even but even before the actual melee, you know, you, you may have taken, taken uh, umbrage with some of the things that happened even, you know, before that. But... Um, yeah, Dylan's in the middle of it. I, I think it's so crazy that, yeah. that Dylan is the guy that, after all this, you know, Dylan's the guy who's kind of in the middle of it. Wow. What a perfect place to wrap up this week's uh, podcast. Um, just to remind you guys that this weekend we have got Fight to Win 89. And that is with um, Tankino and Wagner Hosher, as we mentioned. Got a really stacked card there from South Florida. Man. Enrico Coco's on the card. This, yeah, we got Jay-Z Cavalcanti. How about Victoria, Raul Jimenez? I'm I'm pumped for that fight. It's it's a master's fight, but both those guys are animals. um, They're going to go for it. Raul is, of course, Roberto Jimenez's dad. Um, He's had some matches with Victor Doria. I believe Victor is 3-0 against him, but Raul just won Masters Worlds, looked very dominant in in that fashion. So that's a badass matchup. And last-minute notice, too. Victor had someone else that was more local, had to pull out last minute, and Raul... It's coming out from Vegas. I'm not quite sure how that got connected. Oh, we actually, we got Victor watching as well. Hey, what up, Victor? Victor. <laughs> good timing, brother. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> good luck this um, week, man. It's going to be great to see you on the stage. No, I love those dudes, right? Those, you know, kind of, um, like you said, what are they, Masters 3? Masters or, 2. Masters 2, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but man, those guys ready to throw down still. Oh, they go hard. So, yeah. It's yeah. good classic jiu-jitsu, a lot of good stand-ups and takedowns, and then this pressure. The Fight Sports Press family out. are out in force for this one as well, right? Oh, yeah. You know, and speaking of family, like you said, Wagner Hocher is actually he got his two kids, Jasmine and Achilles, both in action as well. Wow. Um, we got a ton. We got uh, Maggie Grindati is going to be in the title fight against Brittany Elking for the brown belt no gi welterweight female title. Purple belt world champion there, Maggie Grindati. So Kevin, yeah, Kevin Mahesha. He's a ton of local comment. Alexandre Pimental, uh, also known as Pulga. Uh, we saw him in action against AJ Agazam in a previous fight. That's right. Win. That guy has the most badass Black, plots I've ever seen. Ex-Black yeah. Zillion head coach Jorge Santiago. Yeah. Or grappling coach. Maybe not head coach. Sorry. Um, just a ton of local talent, man. That's going to be a really cool one. Definitely Miami's definitely like that. a hotbed of East Coast Jiu-Jitsu. There's so yeah. much Brazilian influence there. It's, it's you know, can't throw a rock without hitting a gym. They so. had the uh, Orlando show uh, just last week, and um, of course the the Tampa show. That was where AJ versus Wagner happened. Yeah, these guys aren't going to so. get hit by the hurricane, are they? Oh, that's Actually, true. that's a, a good question. Huh? I hope you guys yeah, are safe out there. I think it's safe. in the yeah. Gulf. Yeah, I don't know, yeah. so they might be safe. But either way. Hope not. Because, yeah, Miami's a little further down. All right. Well, guys, it's been a pleasure once again. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, don't forget, subscribe, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, and check back on Flow Grappling. Plenty more good jujitsu and grappling to come. See you soon.